everyone. My name is Pierce Drake. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here at Providence Church. And welcome to At Home Church Sunday together. Um, no in-person services, as obviously you're aware of because you're at home or you're driving down the road. But neither are we. We are together in a house, in a studio. How cool is this? And uh, we're going to have a great time today. Incredible worship on the front end. Go tell it on the mountain. Whew, I have not heard a version that good. And, uh, and then we're going to have another song at the end. But man, we are just so grateful that you are with us. And let's open up God's word. Let's open up the scripture to see what we have in this last sermon on Be the Light, this Advent series that we have been in. And I'm actually going to preach a brand new message from a scripture passage I have never taught on. Actually, if I'm honest, I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon on this scripture passage. And I'm now questioning myself, like, has Jacob, has Mark, has Angela, has Regina, has someone preached on this? And I forgot. But either way, I did not remember it going into this, but I'm so excited about what I feel like God has given me through this scripture for us. And we're actually going to be reading out of Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. And what this is, just kind of setting it up really quickly, this is the story of 12-year-old Jesus. How cool is that? 12-year-old Jesus um, and the story of his family. So let me read the scripture for us today, and then we'll pray and we'll get started. Second, or Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41, it says this, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while the parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who had heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He said. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Jesus, we pause in the light of all that has been happening Yesterday, we celebrated your birth. Two nights ago, we gathered a lot of us together at the church over the Christmas Eve. We lit the Christ candle for you have come. You have come into the darkness. You have brought your light with us, with you for us. What a gift. What a gift. So we thank you. Open our eyes, open our posture, set the the homes that we find ourselves in right now as holy places as we worship you, as we have in music, and now as we do in your word. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Have you ever got something as a gift that you didn't desire and it made you internally like shrug your shoulders, but outwardly while the whole time you had like a big grin on your face and you were like, thank you so much, I love it. All the while you didn't understand why you got it, how to use it, why would you even want it or what you were gonna do with it. I mean, since we're all online today and at home, you're probably around a Christmas tree somewhere. I mean, no one takes the Christmas tree down that quickly, do they? Um, anyway, I hope that you all, whether big or small, received a gift this Christmas. And what I hope you didn't do was when you opened it, you asked yourself those questions that I just mentioned. And if you did, and the person that gave it to you is with you right now, then just like, hey, focus in right here. Don't make eye contact. But seriously, sometimes those gifts are just well-intentioned misses. Like when I bought Claire Marie, my wife, uh, a pair of shoes. Now, before you go like telling me that's a terrible idea, this was the fourth pair of shoes I'd bought her. And the first three were hits. Well, this fourth pair was like the coolest pair of Nikes I've ever seen and bought. And well, let's just say she opened the box and basically looked at me and asked when the mall was going to open again so we could go return it. Sometimes it's just a miss, but sometimes that gift that you don't understand is actually incredible. It's just that you don't see the beauty in it yet. It needs to be like rotated. It needs to be played with. It needs to be shown how to use or better yet explained why it had been given to you in the first place by the one who gave it to you. So often I think we miss the heart of the person giving the gift. Therefore, we miss the meaning in the gift, and then we either undervalue it or we ruin the use of it in the first place. Our passage today holds some very special words, a gift. They hold the first words recorded of Jesus. I never thought about that. Now, as we read the Gospels, we know that the writers were really intentional about how they started each book because of the audience and who was going to read it. And when God started our Holy Scriptures through giving instruction to Moses to write it down, don't you know that the first words were so important? It says, in the beginning, God created. Our God is a creator, and He is so intentional about every little step. And every step holds a clear and dear place, but the first words hold deep importance. And the first words, as you know, set the tone. So here we have Jesus' first words. They come in response to what looks like a problem, and actually it is a problem. Mary and Joseph had taken Jesus and his siblings to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, which was this Jewish holiday. And on their way home in their citywide caravan, after a whole day's walking, they realize they can't find Jesus. Now, don't think of them as bad parents for not knowing where Jesus was after a whole day. A lot of things are playing in in this, but maybe the biggest is the culture then. See, the women and the children, they traveled in the front of the group, and the men, they traveled in the back of the group. And we're not talking 30 or 40 people. This would have been a large group of people. And with the women and the children in the front and the men in the back, let's not forget that Jesus is 12 years old, which means he's on the brink of manhood. So I'm sure that when Mary and Joseph stopped for that first night after walking a full day, they started rounding up all their kiddos, and Jesus doesn't show up. And they look at each other and think, wait, wasn't he with you? Joseph would have said, wait, I thought he was with you. He would have been with the children. And Mary would have said, well, I thought he was with you. He's about to be a man. But they don't have him. They don't waste any time. They head back down to Jerusalem, takes them a day. And then they search for a day, finally finding Jesus. So after three days, they find Jesus sitting among the teachers of his day. Jesus had been there listening, asking questions and giving answers. And people were amazed. And I can just imagine Mary would have gone into full justified mama bear version. She comes to Jesus. She grabs him. She pulls him from the circle of people. She hugs him. And then she takes her two arms and kneels down, holds onto his shoulders and says, why would you do this to your father and I? And out of this, we get the first words of Jesus. 
What is he going to say to Mary? What is he going to say to Joseph? What's he going to say to us? Because I believe by the power of the Spirit, he knew that we would know these words one day. He is about to set the tone, the precedent, and the trajectory of his ministry. And he says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? Or another translation says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I mean, I read that and I go, Jesus, I needed your words to be more profound than that. These are the first words are supposed to mean something big. Like, how do I apply that to my life? And after we hear this and I hear this, if we aren't careful, we jump too soon into the application of Jesus's words without understanding its meaning and the heart from which it came. Remember, these words are a gift to us from him. So let's not go too fast. It sounds, if, if we read very quickly, it sounds very defensive. Jesus' first words, why were you looking for me? I think it's a perfectly valid question, Jesus. And then to say, I must be about my father's business. I had to be in my father's house. And if we don't know the heart, we miss the understanding here. And like I said, we never fully live into the right application of what he's trying to lead us into. When we read this scripture and we don't sit with it, when we just simply read it and then we go on, we begin applying it without the meaning or the heart. And when we do that, things begin to go a little astray. The quick looks of this leads to an understanding that God is telling us that we must be in his house. No questions asked. The application of this is looks like coming to church because he said, I must, I had to. So it's out of obligation that we show up. And maybe the obligation we've lived into is based out of where we were raised. For so many of us, we were raised in the South and church is what you just did. We say Jesus' first words were, I have to be in the Father's house, so I have to be in church whenever the doors are open. Did we ever hear that from our parents growing up? Or maybe it looks like this, a friend on a Saturday night asks you to do something with them on Sunday morning, and our response becomes, well, I can't. I, I got to go to church in the morning. And that doesn't sound like something we actually desire. No, it sounds like something that of obligation. We've all been there. I've been there. But is that Jesus's first words to us? Show up whether we want to or not. I must. I had to be. Is that the posture we're supposed to take? Is that the tone, the precedent, the trajectory of Jesus's relationship with us? Is God the Father forcefully giving us a rule here at the very beginning to be at the church and in the Father's business whenever available? I know that's how many people, I know that's why many people believe that. I believe that. But as I've begun to sit with for a long time the Father, and I've got a really long way to go, that just doesn't seem to mix with what I think His heart is. I don't believe Jesus is telling us that He's obligated to stay behind and be in the Father's house and be about His business just because. I believe these first words of Jesus are a declaration of His desire to be with the Father and about His business. Desire, not obligation. Those are two very different things. Why are you searching for me? Isn't back talk from a defensive 12-year-old who's trying to get out of trouble? It's a genuine question from the Son of God to his parents of, didn't you remember who I am? When we miss the heart of God for us, we begin to respond to him from a posture of obligation, not desire. Jesus' first words here are so powerful for us and are not to be overlooked read quickly and then moved on. So let's look at it. The first thing for us to begin to take from this right approach is that Jesus is first and foremost rooting his deepest desire in his identity. His identity is first and foremost found in his relationship with God the Father. That's why he said, didn't you know be about my father's business? Now, God the Father is perfect. Now, you may have had a great dad or maybe you didn't. 
but none of us had a perfect father here on earth. But God, our father, is perfect and desires a relationship with us. Well, this is where we begin. We begin by rooting our identity in our relationship with God the Father as his beloved sons and daughters. This isn't an identity known to us only intellectually, but also has to be known in a way relationally. God isn't calling us to only know the truth of who he is, but he is calling us to know him intimately. God has a desire for you to be in relationship with you, but also for your life, a calling, a purpose. And it's out of here, our relationship with Jesus, that we know and step into the specific calling God has for us. We know that God the Father for who He truly is when we've looked face to face in Him and know that He is good and trustworthy above all things. And when we do that, we will lay down our own preferences for His. As Pastor Jacob talked about a few weeks ago, we will lay down our own dreams and pick up Jesus' dreams. This type of committed relationship to God is born out of the experience of God's love and presence and then is expressed in grateful participation in God's work. It starts in the acknowledgement of God, the belief in Him, the dying to self, and then living out our lives hidden in Christ. We've been saying this Advent series that Jesus is the light of the world, that He is the light and we are called to be the light in Him. It's no longer said out of obligation like, be the light. It's now said out of the deepest desire, I get to be the light. Jesus' first words to us, this gift are not words about us being obligated by fear, but they are gifts of words that centers us on Jesus modeling for us what it means to turn our deepest desires toward being with God as He has loved us so perfectly. John Mark Comer, pastor and author, when thinking about where we start in discipleship or apprenticeship to Jesus, following Jesus, stated this, The starting place for all discipleship, growth and transformation, starts with rest and desire. We start with the Sabbath. God created from a place of rest, then desire. We get in the touch with the deepest subterranean level of our desire in our heart, which is ultimately to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and to play our small part in our contribution to the world. And the more we design a life around those desires, we find peace in the world. The fulfillment of Advent, Jesus coming into the world now makes all of this possible. Jesus is telling, I know you have known about God the Father. I know you have desired Him, but you fully haven't been able to step into a full relationship with Him because of your sin, because of the distance caused by that. But I'm going to show you Him because when you see me, Jesus says, you see the Father. And so then Jesus goes to the cross and makes a way for us through his sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, now we can enter into that same full relationship and desire that 12-year-old Jesus was pointing us to. A full, deep desire lived out of a full relationship with him. I had to be in my father's house. I must be about my father's business. Well, where else would I be? So what will we do with this gift of words and now opportunity from Jesus? I think we have a few things to learn. First is we get to learn from Jesus. We get to rest like Jesus did with the Father. We have this week before us, before the new year starts, to rest with Jesus, to carve out some times. But God has also given us the gift of the Sabbath each week to rest with Him, to create a rhythm of rest in our life. The second is that we get to listen and ask questions in the community of faith. That's what Jesus was doing when He sat around in the temple. You can join in like church, like you're doing right now, in person and online. 
join a small group, bi-weekly group. You get to join a Bible study. Join in doing life together centered around Jesus and ask questions and talk. And when we do those two things, rest and community life, well, we begin to live our life as a declaration of desire. Our desire to be with the Father as His beloved sons and daughters. Well, we'll end with these words from Peter. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Get this, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Jesus' first words here is inviting you, not out of obligation, but out of His desire for you and your desire for Him to declare your praises to Him, to declare Jesus above all other things who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. When we declare His praises who called us into His light, then we're, we're declaring them from His light, and then our life will be the light that God has designed us for and desired us for all along. Be the light. What other option is there when we know the true heart of a loving Father, the love of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Be the light out of desire. It was never meant to be told to you out of obligation. Be the light. Amen.